This is why you don't know about it, because what actor wants anybody to know they've been subpoenaed and gone down to City Hall? You're listening to Inside Acting, a podcast dedicated to demystifying the inner and outer game of success in the entertainment industry. I'm Trevor Elgott. And I'm AJ Meyer. And in episode 287, we have part one of a very special casting director roundtable interview in which we sit down with LA-based casting directors Alan Hooper, Caroline Lean, and Jane Jenkins to dig even further into the ever-evolving legal side of the casting workshop issue. Now, we know we've talked about this topic ad nauseum on the podcast, but as you'll hear in this interview, this issue has gone way beyond pro and con. For instance, in part one today, Alan, Caroline, and Jane share details about the quote-unquote full-scale investigation, the fight or non-fight with City Hall, and much, much more. It's a textured, layered look at at a situation that is at once complicated and can be simple, and we can't wait to share it with you. Support for this episode of Inside Acting is brought to you in part by Rehearsal Pro, the current version of Rehearsal, the essential app for actors that is now available right now in the iTunes App Store for your iOS device. That's your iPhone, your iPod, or your iPad. If you want to learn your lines, if you want to be off book quickly and easily and confidently for your auditions, if you want to explore your character and make stronger choices and walk into the room and just kill it, book that office and do a whole lot more. You can go to rehearsal.pro slash IAP right now and learn all about the great new features in this newest version of Rehearsal, the groundbreaking app designed by actors for actors. That's rehearsal.pro slash IAP. Hey, everyone. We're back. I can't even begin to tell you how excited we are about the guests that we have lined up uh, over the next few months. We are probably booked out, I would say, to the end of the year, um, honestly, uh, even though we're sitting here in August because of the people we have lined up for you. And it's a very, very exciting lineup, including um, this episode, which uh, is... uh, as we said in the intro, uh, sort of special, off the beaten path, uh, kind of something, you know, we dive into like uh, legal stuff, uh, political stuff uh, in this one. It's And it's, you know, not always something that we talk about on this podcast, but it's a big part of our industry. So um, we're excited to to bring that to you. Mm, absolutely. Yeah, really stoked about this episode and very grateful to uh, Jeremy Gordon, who was n- unable to join us uh, for the roundtable, but who kind of kicked off the whole kind of idea. Uh, and then, uh, of course, Alan, Caroline and um, Jane for, for their time and their expertise and their just generosity with sharing what's kind of really going on. So uh, stay tuned for that. We're going to get to that very shortly. Before we jump in today, a uh, quick shout out to Gary Williams. Thank you so much, buddy, for joining us inside the membership. He's our newest contributing member. Um, Really appreciate your support. And welcome to the family, brother. Excited to uh, connect with you. 
Yeah. And uh, we're still going with the uh, hashtag Working Wednesday uh, hashtag on Twitter. Have had some really awesome uh, shares and successes. People are starting to share their wins uh, as part of Working Wednesday. Maybe we'll have to do like winning Wednesday at some point. Um, <laughs> but uh, we had a listener, um, longtime listener, Grace uh, England, uh, find out that she booked a, her first national commercial on a Wednesday. Yeah. So she tweeted that. And then I found out about my big news for this week. Uh, my feature film booking on a Wednesday. So I tweeted that and um, it's, it's becoming just this, uh, this big fun sort of uh, artist love fest on, on Twitter. It's, a, it's, it's really cool. So um, please uh, tweet at us or tweet out hashtag working Wednesday on uh, Wednesday, which may be tomorrow, depending on when we publish this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now, now <clears throat> speaking of, this is what our relationship has come to AJ. You booked a feature film and I think it has something to do with the Sundance Institute or Sundance lab or something. And this is the first, I mean, I, I saw it on the Working Wednesday tweet. Do you remember when we were joking about not existing unless you were on the internet the other day? That's what it, it was. It's, it's, as, it's as though our friendship only exists through podcasts now. <laughs> it's shameful, <laughs> downright shameful. I only, I only know you through podcasts, lad. You exist in Skype for me. Um, no, I mean, look, here's the thing. If it was a massive, massive win... Of course, I would have been calling you, um, not just texting you. But it's a, in the, as far as what's in the script, it's one line. And as far as you know, hope, may, you know, potentially, I did some improv in the audition, and maybe the director, if the director saw the tape and liked what I did, they'll have me do some of that on set, maybe. But as far as what's written, it's literally not just one line; it's two words. Um, what are, you, what are your but, two words you got to share what they are? I'm sure you're off book at this point. Four, yeah. Oh, I've been I've been working on it. Yeah, I, I hired a coach. Uh, <laughs> no, uh, it's literally the words for you, for you, question mark, for you. Um, so it, it, it's, uh, you know, it's a very small role. I don't actually know how much I can talk about the, the film, um, but I do know that I will be working with my scene is with Common, the, the rapper. Common. No way. Uh, yeah, and, and the, uh, the film is, uh, is not, um, obviously not definitely in Sundance yet, but, um, according to the people involved, that is like their, their, their goal. And it's, it's, I guess, very, very likely, I don't know, maybe there's some producing, um, power behind it where it's sort of a shoe in, uh, or definite to go, but um, that would be really cool. That'd be in my first, uh, you know, Sundance uh, feature. Yeah. And uh, I've always wanted. I mean, I love Park City. I, I've actually spent um, a fair bit of time there, so I've always wanted to go for Sundance. I don't know if I would spend all the money and do all of the thing just to go for the. You know, people ask me, "Well, why are you here? What are you involved in?" I'm like, "Oh, I'm in this feature film," and then they go see it and they're like, "Wait, was that him?" I blinked. So. Uh, you know, I don't know if I'll, I'll go through all of that, but it's still a win. You know, it's not a massive win, but it's still a win. It's going to be cool. It's going to be a day on set. Um, I'm making whatever it is, scale plus 10. Um, and, you know, I, I don't know. I, I, I get to work with comments. Been doing a great job as a as a uh, rapper turned actor. So I'm excited to work with him and whoever the director is. And, um, you know, it's just it, it's fun to be getting those calls from like 
wardrobe and them setting up a fitting and all that stuff. That's like what we hope every day or at least every week is like as an actor. So to be living that life and experiencing that, I think it's it 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 lends itself to the um, live as if. You know, it, it gives it gives us the opportunity to to feel what that feels like energetically and say, okay, yes, universe, I want more of this mm, in my life. Yeah, 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 absolutely. That's a, that's a good point, actually. I, you know, I, I journal, I do morning pages every single morning and what comes up over and over is just that theme, act as if, act as if, act as if. And I like that you put it as a live as if, because you actually get to go and then do the thing, but then you have the experience in your body, in your mind, in your heart of actually, of actually doing it, completing it successfully, getting paid for it. So it's like, you've got that Ex, like experiential memory that you can then expand upon. You know, this is me just getting into my new age woo woo, you know, visualization <laughs> stuff. But it's powerful. It's stuff, not just you. Man. I brought it up, man. Yeah, it, it's, it's powerful. Not it's powerful stuff. That, that's really exciting, man. Not, how, how did this come about? Was this through an agent, through a workshop, through a friend? How did you How did you get this uh, meeting? So it was through a friend. Actually, it's really cool that uh, that this happened the way that it happened. But a, a good friend of both of ours, actually, Trevor, you are uh, familiar with uh, uh, Miss Colleen slash Coco Kleppinger. Oh, um, yeah. You know, she she so I'm sorry to cut you off. She texted me about coming in to read for something and I couldn't. I had to go to a, another memorial service. I wonder if it was the same thing. I think it was. I think it would have been actually because you there was like three parts that they were looking for <clears throat> um, and all men. And um, you absolutely could have played one of the other one of the other parts. Um, yeah. So uh, that's it. That's, ex- it. that's exactly what it was. She just texted me, said you available. And, you know, she's working in a, in a casting office. And this this casting director, not only I mean, he was super cool in the room. I really enjoyed meeting him. I enjoyed uh you know, uh, the, the, the fun that we had in the room and everything. And, and she even said, you know, he understands what it's like out there for an actor and that, you know, you're coming in and you're sort of doing us a favor by auditioning for this one line or these, you know, this two line or whatever it is, you know, he gets it. And basically this will very likely put you in his good graces and, and, you know, more to come. So that's the other mm, that's uh, cool. sort of, you know, investment into yeah. the, the, the bank, the career bank is like, not just the people I'm going to meet on set, but this casting director is like, you know, uh, that, that AJ guy came in and, and it's really did us a favor because he, um, <clears throat> you know, auditioned for, you know, this, this one line role or whatever. Um, and, and, and if, if there's another role that's, that's right for me or think he, he thinks I would be, you know, right for, uh, you know, hopefully he calls me in for that too, uh, something bigger, something in, in, um, uh, a, you know, a bigger role in a, in a feature, whatever it is. So right. that's, you know, it's all, it's all about, you know, putting, putting pennies in that piggy bank. Yeah. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah. Good analogy. Yeah, totally. That's amazing, dude. Well, congratulations again. I, I love saying that to you and I get to say it almost every week. <laughs> it's really exciting, man. Uh, when does it shoot? On or about nine 11. Okay. So somewhere in the next couple of weeks. Yeah. Isn't it funny? Like it was just like any other date for a very long time. And now it's got this whole, you know, kind of cool. I just wanted to make sure it wasn't like a there wasn't something significant about choosing that specific date for this film. Cause, um, like you said, you can't talk much about it, but I didn't know if there was some sort of thematic, uh, 
artistic oh, you know, significance no, no, no. to that. Yeah. No, no. They're actually starting shooting next week, like the 24th or 25th of August. It's just that scene that I'm in is going to shoot on or yeah. around uh, September 11th. Okay. Well, kick ass, man. Congratulations. Yeah, it should be, uh, should be fun. I'll, I'll definitely sort of update people from the, maybe I'll do, uh, uh, some selfie videos or, or, or audio recordings from the set. And, uh, and of course we'll talk about it, uh, in a future episode, probably in a few weeks here. Badass man. Right on. Um, and it sounds like you, uh, have gotten back into the pool, which, uh, I'm so excited about cause you, uh, that always like, I always find your, your spirits lifted by the, by the water. Um, yeah. and, and working on some new music as well. What's going on in your world? Yeah. You know, I just wanted to touch on this because, uh, I feel like the past few months of the podcast for me, I, I've just had a certain energy about not only the podcast, but about things in general, because I was just dealing with so much shit in my life. And I don't say that as sort of like a woe is me. It just, it literally like took me out of the game in many, many ways, emotionally, especially. And I just felt very, uh, I felt unpredictable and inconsistent to my family and friends and to myself. And that's just a, that's not a good feeling to have. I'm sure mm. people listening can relate to that feeling of like, I don't know what today is going to be like. And I don't feel that I have the strength to, to sort of make that call to sort of intentionally declare that, uh, that today is going to be a great day, which is normally how I approach my life. And I, I try to be very mindful and so I was in a space where I just felt like I, I couldn't, not only could I not hold the reins, I couldn't find the reins, you know, to drive mm. my, my life. And, and um, you know, I just got to a point where I was like, I need to do something. Like I need to just commit to, to having a victory every single day or every single week. Like something that feels significant, that's out of my comfort zone, that's new, that's a new experience, that's around people, that's social. And swimming is something that, you know, I've been sort of dipping in and out of my entire post-collegiate adult life i've always known it's been really good for me but i i've um, found ways to avoid doing it as i am want to do with many things in my life so I, I got back in the pool with my team and it's just been the most wonderfully spiritually fulfilling satisfying um like soulful experience you're, you're right like just my body in water just does something for my soul it's just it's wonderful so that uh, was a string of victories that just sort of led to this sort of unclogging of a, of a bunch of stuff in my life. And I don't want to make this the personal Trevor hour, but uh, I, I got back into, you know, some vegan cooking and I'm discovering and trying out new recipes. And I really reengaged with my climate reality leadership stuff. And I'm just back in that world. I attended another screening, a, a second screening of an inconvenient sequel, and I connected with some climate reality leaders there. And I'm now part of a Los Angeles chapter and looking forward to really just adding my voice to that conversation, polishing up my presentation skills and, and actually presenting the, uh, the slide deck that I, the various slide decks that I have access to via the reality hub, um, platform that climate reality leaders, um, get access to. Uh, and then I also just sort of started writing music again. It just kind of came out. And uh, that's, as I've said many times, one of like the key, the other key things that's just good for my soul. Like I think when you plug into something where you lose track of time and you put off like going to the bathroom or like getting out of your chair to like stretch, like when you put off like basic human needs because you're so engaged with the work, I think it's a good sign that it's something that you should be doing more of. Mm. And, uh, and music is definitely, as I've said before, one of those things. And 
I've got, I'm sort of brainstorming some new approaches with this, but I think I might like to really lean into this uh, because it's a skill set that I have, the technical skills, but also I think that there might be a creative sort of business future for me in here somewhere. And so I'm putting together a series of just short instrumentals that uh, I wanted to make available to the public that people can then, you know, try out in their films or their trailers or their Kickstarter projects or their podcasts or whatever, um, and just sort of see how that goes and, uh, you know, get back into producing animation voiceover demos and all that. I just, I feel, um, re-energized. I feel alive again. And I think it's been a combination of all these things. And, uh, if I, if I have to impart one more lesson, because I will, cause I'm talk a lot, it's that I, I find that sleep is the most essential aspect what is mm. that? Oh, it's a blender. Uh, sorry, one of the roommates <laughs> of the blenders. Sounded like something else. Um, You're being attacked by robots. Yeah, a little bit. Uh, yeah, sleep is just. Uh, I've heard it. I've heard it referred to as a force multiplier, and I'm starting to learn that like it is something I get to definitely like defend in my life as a core wellness non-negotiable practice. Uh, eight hours. I'm just. I'm one of those people that needs eight to nine hours, and anything less than that. I, things start to slip. I lose my grasp on reality. I get cranky. I get, um, judgmental and moody. And when I do get enough sleep, my God, it's like a new, it's like having a new life. It's like, and it's so rare. I've realized I've gone through my adult life with so little sleep that it, that when I do get enough sleep, it's like, wow, is this what I've been missing all this time? This is what life can be like. And uh, some people mm. can do it. Some people can crank on like four or five hours a night and I applaud those people and I think that's awesome. I, it's probably not good for your health, but if you can make it happen, cool. Um, I'm just one of those people that needs more. I'm very sensitive to, to that and owning that and acknowledging that is both a weakness and a strength has also been a big aha moment. So all of these things sort of tie together and, and support one another. And I, I, feel, I feel like I'm standing on two legs again, which is a really nice feeling. Uh, well, I can hear the difference in your voice. I mean, I don't know if um, I know I know sometimes that you've had sort of concerns about like feeling one way and then and then feeling like you had to sort of put on your 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 um, sort of inside acting, you know, vest to kind of get out there and, and, and support and empower the, the community. But it doesn't feel like that. Just listening to you talk right now feels like a completely different um, energy, number one. And number two, I just have to say, not that your feelings or anyone's feelings for that matter ever need validation, but uh, I just, for our listeners, the things that you have talked about on the podcast are like a tip of the shit iceberg that you were just referring to um, about all the things that were going on in your life. You, you've shared a couple of things on the podcast, but uh, as someone who knows you personally and as your friend, I know about like all the other things. And uh, it, 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 yeah, that would take anyone out of, out of their game, as, as you put it. Like, um, they're, like I said, not that your feelings need validation, but I just want people to understand that there was a uh, I don't know, some, something in the universe telling you like things needed to kind of be different and, yeah. and, and change and, and switch up. So it's nice to hear, uh, hear it in your voice that you are, as you said, you know, got your legs back under, underneath you, but also that you are, um, working on these things that bring you so much joy, like music, like swimming, um, mm. like, um, advocacy. Uh, it's great. It's great. Cool. Thanks. You know, yeah, a few things, 
shake up your world like like a hmm, like the death of a loved one you know and uh I, I it took me a while like i think i've said this before but uh, you know anybody experiencing this who might be listening who's going through something similar you know that um uh, i have a friend a close friend who's also experiencing this right now that's the, the memorial service i was at the other week and uh i just you know it, it's a constant reminder is it just like you know how he said I couldn't find the reins that, you know, to sort of drive my, my cart. Yeah. Uh, that's part of the process that has to be okay. And I, I've said this before, but like, you gotta let it happen to you. Sometimes there's so much to be said for being intentional and mindful and driving your day and declaring things and making things happen. And then there are times where you just have to kind of go for the ride and it's not going to be pleasant. It's not going to be fun. And you'll come out the other side and you'll be that much more compassionate and sensitive and mindful and aware of the things that bring you joy, the things that don't, the things that you're, you've mindlessly been doing that you need to stop doing, the people that you associate with that you need more or less of in your life. And and uh, in that way, it's been a, a wonderful gift. But you have to go, you have to walk through the shit to get there. You can't even walk. You get dragged through the shit. <laughs> you just kind of like have to like lay there and just sort of let it happen a lot of the time. And that was a lesson yeah. I needed to I needed to learn because I very much wanted to you know just put both hands in the steering wheel and just put my you know put my head down and just drive through this thing and i found very quickly that that's not the way it works yeah Um, you know i we talk a lot about the inner game of of uh of success on this show and and uh i think it's important to point out that sometimes that inner game of success has to look like complete surrender Mm. and uh yeah and and complete surrender to really unpleasant stuff and then you know you come out the other side one day and it's like wow thank you <laughs> that was awful i don't want to do it again anytime soon i you know everybody dies so i will do it again sometime soon but i am a better person for it and that's that makes it in a weird way worth it you know it sort of justifies you know the the whole living thing i'm i well, that's a bigger conversation than we have time to go into here, but I have certain beliefs about, about spirit, spiritual, you know, things. And, um, I think that, you know, part of the reason we're here is to experience the good and the, the bad, the good and the ugly, I should say, mm. the pleasant and the unpleasant. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, you are, whether you know it or not, or if, I don't know if you picked it up or not, you are speaking almost directly from uh, dark nights of the soul. Uh, hmm. number one and number two, you know, I heard this, uh, heard this story on NPR, uh, one time where they were talking about grief and the way that we deal with grief, especially in America, um, but also across the whole human race. And, um, one of the major things I took away from that was that there's no such thing as a timeline on it. And that, <clears throat> what what inevitably happens is people in our culture very well very often uh, you know want someone whether they say it out loud or not it's in their actions and their words and the way that they approach someone they want someone to be over it you know and they'll say like aren't you know like when are you going to get over it or how you know how long is it going to be before you're over it kind of thing um, and that there's just no timeline on it so. Um, you know, as weird as it sounds, because this is a weird thing to say to a friend, um, 
I'm glad you got drugged through the shit. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. if that makes sense. Uh, anyway. Yeah. Well, um, you know, I have, a, I have a perspective on the mourning and the grieving process. And I also have a perspective, a much better perspective on life in general. I mean, yeah, I miss my brother. I want him back like you wouldn't believe. But at the same time, it's like, okay, you don't have that choice, Trevor. What are you going to do about it? And I, I've rarely in my life had to sort of face that sort of emotional dilemma. I've usually been able to influence it somehow or, or insert myself somehow into a solution. And I just, you know, for anybody listening to this who, who has been told, like you just said, you need to get over it or you need to move on or whatever. Uh, Cause I've heard that a lot too. I, I'm a slow, um, I'm a slow thinker, a slow processor, I think, just compare, compared to what I observe in the world around me and how other people tend to sort of go through things. And maybe I'm, there's, you know, lots of subjectivity with that. So take that with mm. a grain of salt. But I, I want to say to anybody listening who, with whom this might be resonating, your vulnerability, your sensitivity, your impressionableness may the world may be telling you that that's a weakness that you need to get over it and move on and be intentional i would encourage you to consider that that is your greatest strength there is an, an immense gift for the world and for other people other life other creatures on this planet in that sensitivity in that slow process that you have it's different for everyone but I, if if you are listening to this and you're going like yeah trev i'm i'm drinking the cool head i got it man like what i would invite you just to say to find out to dig a little deeper when you can when you're ready and ask yourself how this is a massive gift and not a weakness not a problem just because society functions one way and i seem to be functioning another that doesn't mean there's something wrong with me perhaps it's my superpower so what is that? That is something that I've been sitting with a lot and it's, uh, it's been ex especially supportive right now that I have a close friend who's going through exactly what I just went through and I'm able to support her, uh, I hope, in, in getting through this with a little more, um, a little more grace than I did. Mm. Yeah. That was beautiful, man. Thank you. And thank you for your vulnerability as well. Um, it is, uh, it is inspiring. You should know. All right. Well, we have uh, we have a quick uh, listener question we can probably get to before the interview. And before we dive into it, of course, we'd like to hear from our sponsor, VO2GoGo.com, the award-winning voiceover training system and winner of Backstage's Reader's Choice Award for Best VO Training four years in a row. Visit VO2GoGo.com slash start to get your free getting started in voiceover online class that'll help you add voiceover to your acting portfolio. That's VO as in voiceover, the number two, GoGo.com slash start. 
All right. So this question uh, comes to us from Georgia. Uh, she sent us an email and she said, uh, hi, I am uh, a rising junior in the BFA acting program at the University of Michigan. I'm interested in spending some time in L.A. next summer to get to know the area and learn more about the business, the industry in general. Uh, I want to do an internship at an agency or a casting office or really any place that I could get some quote unquote behind the desk experience. However, I have no idea where to even apply. So what are some good agencies or places uh, I could apply to? It can be unpaid, not an issue. I uh, just want the experience. So uh, thank you very much, Georgia, for that question. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I did some interning, but it was through my agency. So it was sort of like a through a series of people that I had met while I was you know, getting set up here and working jobs and running into randomly running into people that I knew from the East coast at their grocery store here, like things like, like weird connections. I found my way to a manager and then an agent. Well, first a, a, um, a showcase, then a manager, then an agent, and then an internship. So I think Georgia, I mean, I think you're, I, I'm sure there are a lot of places that are, would be very happy to have unpaid help an unpaid, you know, body and voice and, and pair of hands to sort of process all the information that comes through a casting director workshop or an agency at any one given day. But I think that you're best going to be served. This is not the only way, but I think this might be the sort of fastest way to get there and feel free to, to chime in with uh, a devil's advocate point of view here, AJ. But I think that the best way to get there is to just get out here and just start meeting people as much as possible. Go to mixers, go to events, go to uh, outings, go to plays, uh, you know, just go hang out where actors hang out and you can just find out where those things are by doing a, a Google search and just start talking to people, meet people and get those connections going because that's really going to be your best bet. I think if you send letters in and stuff, I think, yeah, I mean, that, that'll work too. I mean, I don't know. I can't think of it like a best or worst place to start, but I, 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 my experience has been that it all comes through who you, who you know and who knows you. Mm. Those are my initial thoughts. Mm. What say you, AJ? What say you, sir? Uh, I don't really have a devil's advocate opinion to that. Uh, I would just add on to it. So uh, I think the main thrust of what Trevor is saying is that y you're – your intention is always to build relationships, just like we talk about on the podcast all the time. So whatever um, internship, for instance, you end up at, it's going to be best if it comes from some kind of relationship. Now, the question then becomes, OK, how do I build that relationship or <clears throat> where do I sort of get started? And if I was just going to offer some prag advice on, on, on this subject, um, it would sound like, uh, going to, first of all, your, um, your, uh, professors and your, your, your department at Michigan and finding out, uh, if they have a relationship with any offices out here in Los Angeles where you can intern and get the credit that comes with doing an internship because sometimes a casting office or an agency or something like that will have a built-in um, relationship with a university and uh, obviously it's more likely that it's a local university so somewhere here in Los Angeles but not necessarily so I would say talk to some people in your department and find out my guess and this is sort of the second thing I was going to say is that there are tons of Michigan alum spread out all over the industry here in Los Angeles. Find out who those people are. 
That way you can, once again, talk to your department, figure out how you can either get in touch with them or if they, if that person was like, yeah, we, I want to give back to my alma mater and they're the ones that set up the uh, internship with the university because they're working in some kind of office here in Los Angeles. Or if you get that list, because uh, for instance, my alma mater, UCLA, if I was to go to them and say like, hey, can I have a list of people working in the industry or, or whatever? Like they would be more, they would be, they would fall all over themselves being like, oh yes, we have this person doing this and this person doing that. They they send out a newsletter, I feel like once a month uh, with a list of all kinds of people doing all kinds of things in the industry. I ended up in one of those newsletters when I was in Heather's and I don't remember telling them I was in Heather's. So um, they're excited to to pump up their alum uh, to, 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 show off, so to speak. So if you asked for a list of some kind from your department of like, hey, who's working out in Los Angeles in the entertainment industry? I'm sure they would furnish it. And that leads me to point number three, which is actually getting in touch with them and doing it uh, in any way possible. Writing a letter like Trevor said is one of them. Uh, Finding them on social media is another way. Finding an email for them is another way. Getting in touch with somebody ahead of time so that you feel a bit more sort of set up uh, when by the time you get here. And you can maybe even create a relationship before you even get out here through a phone call or a series of phone calls, et cetera. Um, Now, uh, as we've talked about on this podcast before, these people are busy. If they don't get back to you, don't take it personally. It just is what it is. If they don't have time for this phone call, don't take it personally. It just is what it is. Um, And then hopefully you'll feel a little bit more set up, maybe even have an internship lined up by the time you get up, get out here. And then uh, uh, whether you do or not, do what Trevor said and get out there and and make connections, get to networking events, et cetera. So all of it is, is going to happen. It's just a matter of how much time, effort, um, and whatnot you want to spend on it. That's my piece. You see, dude, that's why there's two of us, because that was such a good response. Like, Georgia, do what AJ said first. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I I knew that, but I didn't think to to share that. And that is such a more efficient way to go about it, because that's so true. In fact, most of the people that I kind of got my start with out here in L.A. were people that had gone to my little tiny state school in Pennsylvania. Like that's actually, there were a lot of them out here and that's like a, that school's only like 10,000 people, like students total. And the drama department was maybe like 40 or 50, mm, I think. And, yeah. I, and I knew people out here. Like I knew like at least almost a dozen people right off the bat out here. So yeah, the University of Michigan is going to have a ton of people out here and that's a great way to go about it. Just start leaning on those contacts and they will be so eager to help you if if my experience is any indication of, uh, of, of people that want to support their, you know, comrades from their alma mater, so to speak. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. Comrades. Comrades. Uh, amazing. Thank you for that, AJ. And thank you, Georgia, for the, for the question. Please let us know how that, how that goes. Because if, if you find something that like works like gangbusters for you, let us know. And then we can just sort of, you know, insert that into the, the official, you know, suggestion, you know, that inside acting dispenses when it comes to hmm. this kind of thing. Cause we tend to get, you know, some questions or some variation on questions uh, repeatedly over the years. And so it would be good to be like, oh, well, yeah, you remember like so-and-so wrote in and this really worked well for her. So, uh, yeah, keep us posted on how that how that goes. And, and when you're out here, say hi, say hello. It's always fun to, to meet our listeners. Yeah. Next summer. Woo-hoo. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, I think that's uh, that's all we got time for. Let's jump into part one of our chat with uh, Alan, Carolyn and Jane, shall we? 
Yeah, absolutely. All right, guys, enjoy part one of this really, really awesome discussion about yet another piece of the puzzle when it comes to the casting, quote unquote, casting workshop issue. I, I know I learned a lot, so uh, really excited to share this with you guys. Enjoy. We will catch you on the other side. Welcome back. AJ and I are on the line on a Skype call with three casting directors that we're very excited to talk to. This is a really exciting conversation coming up because we're going to talk about this casting director workshop situation, the L.A. City attorney uh, filing charges against workshops, uh, the pay-to-play, you know, quote-unquote scheme. And uh, we're going to get uh, a more in-depth view of what is actually going on. So on the call with us, we have Jane Jenkins, who is a charter member of the Casting Society of America. The casting, She's a casting director for the past 40 years and a member of the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences. Jane, thank you for joining us. We have Caroline Liam. Am I saying that correctly, Caroline? Really close. Liam. Liam. Okay. I had a feeling. Uh, She's also a casting director, a member of ATAS, the Casting Casting Society of America, and also a scuba diver, which is awesome. And then we have also Alan Hooper, uh, casting associate and Teamster shop steward for associates. So welcome, guys. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us. Thank you for having us. Yeah, glad to be here. Cool. Me too. So uh, let's go ahead and start at the very beginning because I there's there for listeners who who are maybe not informed or, or haven't heard about this stuff. Uh, several months ago, the LA City. Uh, I'm sorry, LACD attorney filed charges against five casting workshops in this quote-unquote pay-to-play scheme. And it led to a lot of fallout. A lot of, you know, I remember, AJ, you were saying, like, it seemed a little bit heavy-handed considering, you know, that a lot of actors were actually benefiting from this. And so we've talked many times about the pros and cons of this, but, uh, Alan, you sent over some really great sort of bullet point history talking points. So can you take us through exactly what is going on to, to start us off? Yeah, I guess starting with the most recent trouble, because uh, this actually, you said the very beginning, this has been going on since 2001, believe it or not, uh, in various ways and means. But the most recent thing I guess started on uh, February 8th, 2016, or a little bit before that, when James Runcorn, uh, an actor, volunteered to be part of this investigation and go undercover with a video camera and record workshops. And I say before February 8th, because I don't know exactly when he got in touch with uh, Deputy City Attorney Mark Lambert. Uh, to volunteer to be this informant. But uh, February 8th is the first workshop that he attended uh, for which charges were made. And, you know, you were saying so many actors have been infringed from this. And you're right, there's thousands of actors that value, you know, the training, the education, and and all the other uh, good aspects of a workshop. And James Runcorn is the only complainant here and he's a government agent. He's a criminal informant for the city. 
and every other prosecution under the Krikorian Talent Scam Act had actual victims. So they've, in my opinion, they've manufactured a crime. Wow. Wow. And James Runcorn, you said he is a government, he's an actor, but he's also, you use the words government informant, or is that what you, you, the, the term? Yes. He contacted the uh, city attorney's office and volunteered to go undercover to expose these workshops. And the five companies that he attended, uh, none of them have a record of him attending prior to the investigation. So that's all odd. I could understand if he had gone somewhere and felt scammed or cheated and he'd contacted the city attorney's office. You know, if any actor did that, you know, felt like they had been cheated or wronged, we love actors. We would be the first ones to champion them and hear their complaint and try to help them. But, you know, usually in a case like this, somebody, they say somebody's got to be brave enough to step forward. Well, let's say that's the case and he was brave enough to step forward. You know, where's everybody else? <laughs> Nobody else has, you know, joined him in this complaint. It's this one lone guy who has to be a government agent in order to record people. He has to be an agent of the city attorney's office. Otherwise, it's illegal for him to record other citizens per California penal code. Hmm. That definitely uh, this penal code section uh, 632, if anybody wants to look it up. Wow. Yeah, that that adds some texture to the to the issue. I I, I was not uh, aware that we had somebody who attended so many workshops in a relatively brief amount of time, uh, four or five months. Well, no, I'm sorry. It looks like three months actually. Only about three months, and he attended twelve workshops. So that's about one a week. And he, I didn't know he was recording them. He did he have like a body camera on or something? He had a cast, and there's debate as to whether it was. I believe. Yeah, on his arm. And there's debate as to whether it was a legitimate cast or a fake cast. But supposedly he hid the camera within the cast in order to record not just the casting people and not just his experience, but to record fellow actors who were in these workshops, you know, thinking they were safe in a, in a nurturing environment where they could learn, you know, where what they did wouldn't be, you know, uh, held against them later because you know as actors when you're in a class you fall on your face you make mistakes you know you're learning and that sh there shouldn't be a record of that it's insanity to me hmm. wow now we we've we've talked about both sides of this issue many times over the history of the podcast and uh we've we've talked about how a lot of actors have really benefited and used workshops to their advantage uh to build relationships professional relationships and and really kind of launch their careers by um like i said building relationships and and showing people their work other actors have felt really burned uh by some of these workshops and i'm going to include myself in that i've taken a few workshops with casting directors who shall remain nameless but are still working today and it was an awful experience. I felt really, um, my experience was that the casting director couldn't care less to be there. And I was very sort of dismissed offhand as a quote unquote casting workshop actor, somebody who was paying for access. And, and I, I just, I, it left a really bad taste in my mouth. The, the person was really rude. Maybe they're having a, a horrible day. Uh, I don't know. But um, that was my experience. And that's the, that's the experience of many other actors as well. Uh, so I, I do want to kind of just 
bring that into the conversation because I know that this is, like I said, a very textured issue, but uh, there are actors out there who are coming at this issue and saying, good, I'm glad this James Runcorn guy came in and exposed this practice. Obviously, that's not every casting director, but how would you respond to actors who maybe are coming from that place when it comes well, to this, my, this issue? Yeah, my first question would be, what did you do when that happened? Did you report it to the owner of the company and tell them you felt like you got ripped off? Did yeah, you my, tell my your fellow actors? It, that, that's exactly my first thought. You know, there are good and bad casting directors. There are good and bad actors. And I, if I attended a workshop that I felt was so dismissive of me and the reasons that I was there as an actor... I would talk to the people that I just wrote out the check to and say, you know, this casting director is not at all helpful, had no vital information or insights to Mm -hmm. transmit to me. And you should think twice about having them back to uh, run a workshop. You know, that's what you're paying the, the money for, for valuable, for information and for an experience to enlarge your scope in in this business and if that's not happening the you know actors have every right to discuss that with the people who are running the workshop because i think by and large they want to have people in there that attract actors and are helpful and useful Hmm. great yeah uh the first thing comes up for me and this might just be my own insecurity speaking but if i i am thinking from the perspective of like okay let's say i have an awful experience and i do go and talk to somebody do i risk the do i risk being for lack of a better term blacklisted as a complaining actor or somebody who has issues or is high maintenance i would understand that concern And yeah, of course, that's always the perception in Hollywood is anybody that speaks up and does Mm -hmm. the right thing feels they're going to get blacklisted. But if nobody speaks up and nobody does the right thing, then abhorrent behavior continues. One of the suggestions I made to a workshop owner recently is that we go old school and bring back the suggestion box and a literal suggestion box Mm -hmm. with paper next to it and a pen so actors that were afraid of what you're talking about could still voice their complaint anonymously and you know be heard and then if nothing's done you know that's on the workshop company that's on the people that are not doing it well if you guys are speaking up and not being heard you know then yeah right the workshop owners are to blame Hmm. and then nobody shows up you know if if the if if there is no reason to attend a workshop because there's no benefit, then people stop attending stop. those workshops. Hmm. Yeah, I like that a lot, having a, an anonymous uh, suggestion box. That that appeals to me is because then you can voice your, your opinion and not have that fear of like, oh, God, I'm going to damage relationships. I'm going to get a reputation. And I'll never work in this town again. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uh, okay, cool. Well, let's get back to the um, some of the talking points that you sent over, Alan. So uh, you said every... Um, Basically, all, all charges, all the, the charges against these workshops stem from just this one guy attending these workshops and taping and taping things. Correct. And every workshop he attended, charges happened. He did not attend a single workshop where he thought it was a good thing. Hmm. 
So he was already coming in with a, a bias and an agenda to shut these down. I believe so, yes. And knowing the history of how I think James Runcorn got involved with this, I think he was influenced by people that are previously biased. Hmm. Hmm. Uh, Let's talk about the Krikorian Act uh, and the uh, the actual victims that you that you mentioned. Yes, there's. I don't have all of the cases in front of me, but if you just do a search on Deadline.com or anywhere else for Krikorian Talent Scam Act, and if you read all the other cases where the city has brought charges, there was a victim that came forward, lost thousands of dollars, in some cases, hundreds of thousands of dollars. And the city prosecuted these people, you know, to help these victims. You know, that's not the case here. There's not a, you know, I would not call James Runcorn an actual victim since he hadn't attended, you know, any of these workshop companies previous to the investigation. And he's working for the city. So, uh, you know, I used to always think that, you know, the authorities knew what they were doing, and, you know, we put our faith in our elected officials, but sitting in court with, you know, these defendants, some of which I knew beforehand and all of which I've gotten to know since then, it just shows me, unfortunately, that my faith in the the city government especially was unfounded, and it, it scares me a little. Well, especially since Mayor Garcetti has um, endorsed uh, a huge workshop recently. It made absolutely no sense. What, uh, what, what was that? What did he endorse? There's a company called uh, Worldwide Star Search, and you can look mm. up their website. And sounds suspicious. I don't know what does. Yeah. yeah, but on their main page, they have a button that says, get discovered now for $10 a month. And then to the right of that, on City letterhead is Eric Garcetti welcoming actors to this year's convention. And the letter is from, I believe, 2015. So it's not this year's. It was at the time it was written this year's. Uh, But yeah, he's there giving them legitimacy and saying, you know, uh, tacitly, this is a good place to go to get discovered for $10 a month. Hmm. Do you think that... um there might be some sort of like financial arrangement or he's getting some sort of kickback for that? No, no. I, I would imagine no. somebody in the in the tourist or travel department saw it as an opportunity, you know, because tourism's big in Los Angeles. Uh, so I think initially, yeah, that it probably was something like that, that they thought this is a company bringing people into town. Sure, we'll give them a letter. But since we brought it to his attention, I do not know why it is still there. I, I know we're, I know this is probably jumping ahead because we've got a lot of other um, talking points to cover between now and then. But this seems like a decent segue into one of the reasons that I wanted to bring you guys on after talking to uh, Jeremy Gordon. Uh, for, I don't think we mentioned this, by the way, to our listeners, but Jeremy Gordon is the one who sort of facilitated us uh, meeting this group here. Um, <clears throat> it, it is that there's so much... Um, there's so much uh, uh, delay happening with the actual trial itself, and I know um, you guys want to speak in into that, but it, part of that delay means that there's a lot of 
taxpayer dollars, not just actors, not just people in the entertainment industry, but just taxpayer dollars going toward um, keeping attorneys on retainer and keeping this this uh, paying for the, the the sort of court fees and whatnot. Um, and that made me want to go, OK, well, regardless of pro or con, we should have these folks on to talk about the fact that it, it has gone way beyond sort of the workshop issue and into this whole other weird legal um, mess. Um, so j since we're talking about uh, the mayor's office, uh, I, like I said, I know it's jumping ahead, but maybe we can talk a little bit about um, uh, that aspect of, of this whole thing. You know, I, I have to say all three of us have uh, attended a number of the court hearings and every single time uh, Mark Lambert, who is the assistant uh, city attorney, has postponed the cases because he brings in hundreds and hundreds of new pages or mm -hmm. duplicate pages of, of uh, what is it called? Um, discovery. It's, it's, discovery. Discovery. Thank you. That's that's the word. And. You go ready to be told that there will be a trial. I mean, we're supposed to be able to have a speedy trial. And the anxiety, the the money, the time, the energy that all of this is costing the city, all of the defendants is reprehensible. Yeah. And it's a tactic to make sure that they're terrified. And several people have fallen out at, because they and just declared no contest because they simply cannot afford to defend their case. And that is so wrong. And that's what he's hoping for by squeezing that he'll get all these convictions because they can't afford to defend themselves at, you know, hundreds of dollars an hour for a good attorney. It's an it's an abuse of the of the system. I mean, regardless of that's the thing. That's that's the reason I was so interested in having having you guys on is because we have we've had listeners, uh, actors, um, and guests all come on. As Trevor said, people for the workshops, people against the workshops, and to me, this goes so far beyond it. It's like we're not even talking about those anymore. You know, we're talking about a, a particular. Uh, you know, this could be uh, this could be on a. a a, a podcast about law almost. Um, and, and it's, it, I don't know, to me, it just, it, it goes way beyond that issue and into a whole other dark kind of area. Um, yeah. and, and as Jeremy, you know, said, I, we, we've got to sort of shed some light on that so that people know, uh, what's going on. And I know later on, we'll talk about what kind of action steps we can take, but I really wanted to kind of bring to the forefront that this, this has in my mind, gone way beyond pro or con. Yeah, it, it's been going on for months and months and months. And it's it is such an abuse of of legal power that it's um, it's hard to accept. Yeah. And when the charges were announced, our Teamster leadership went to the city and said, hey, you know, we want to know what's going on here because we have all these members that are afraid to, to teach because they know these people. They know they're good. They don't know what they could have been done, what they could have done that you've perceived this way. So we tried to get a meeting with uh, Mike Fuhrer's office to discuss this. Uh, and we're told, sure, we'll meet with you, but anything you say can and will be used against you in a court of law. They were not interested in trying to, you know, as you guys and your listeners have seen, you know, workshops have decreased 
dramatically, probably at least 80% of what they were a year ago. And it's not just these charges, it's people afraid to even show up and teach one because they don't know what they're going to do that's going to be distorted, as it has been with these 18 casting defendants. And there's been some sort of sad personal fallout as well. I, I'm just reading the, the bullet points here. And Alan, you said that the, the city has started subpoenaing, subpoenaing actors uh, whom they claim to protect and forcing them to city hall to make statements. I, I that didn't know this is was 100 percent accurate. Yep, that is true. Wow. And you know why? You, this is why you don't know about it, because what actor wants anybody to know they've been subpoenaed and gone down to City Hall. You're talking about being scared and blacklisted. Imagine how they feel to have Mark Lambert send them a subpoena and drag them down to City Hall for two or three hours. Some of them have, you know, darkly joked it's the worst general meeting they ever had. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But, you know, and, and he, from what I have gathered from talking uh, uh, from hearing their stories is he's still fishing for evidence. He's still fishing for a way to make his case if his delay tactics uh, don't work. And you outlined uh, the personal sort of situation with the owner of Actors Alley, who I actually haven't heard of. I hadn't heard of that that organization, but it, that's a casting director workshop uh, company, I take it? Yeah, they were in downtown Van Nuys, and I had taught there. And so I got to know Brad, who, you know, it was a mom and pop place. So it, you know, I can, you know, like Actors Key. Actors Key was, a you know, a huge place. It was, you know, very well run. They had, you know, a business manager. They had all of that. So it looked, you know, like a nice, good place to go. You know, Brad's was definitely mom and pop. So it was, you know, in an office space, in a building in Van Nuys. And it was, you know on the outside didn't look as good as say an actor's key but from having talked to brad repeatedly he's just a fellow actor like you know the people he was you know uh, offering services to and he was just trying to do good for people that were hoping to find you know more ways to help themselves with their career the city uh really sort of took him to task huh they did he uh, i mean i I hate talking about his personal situation publicly like this, but people just need to know what was done uh, to him is, you know, he had a family tragedy last year when his dad died and his mom uh, had already passed, you know, years prior. So Brad actually relocated, went to the East Coast to settle his dad's estate. He had some friends that were trying to keep Actors Alley running for him. But it became problematic trying to do it, and he realized he was just going to stay in New Jersey. Uh, maybe New York is, is somewhere there on the East Coast. And so he decided to close the business. Uh, and then three months later, the city filed charges against him. And he didn't know they had filed charges until a friend of his called him and said, hey, have you read The Hollywood Reporter? Oh, my God, I'm so sorry. And that's what happened to a lot of these defendants. They were not notified by the city that they had been charged, they found out via press conference. Mike Fuhrer holds a press conference with Mark Lambert and a couple of others and announces these charges publicly. The Hollywood Reporter runs the names and there is casting people all over town sitting at work, getting calls from people going, hey, I'm so sorry. They're like, what do you mean? Well, didn't you see The Hollywood Reporter? No, what's going on? You don't know? Nobody knew. Nobody was informed. 
And then it's unbelievable. They got letters from the city attorney's office. Wow. Yeah. A- after the press conference. After the press conference. It's kind of like David versus Goliath a little bit because because well, they have all this money and all these resources and it's, he's just a guy trying to make his way in the entertainment industry. Yeah. So he, you know, because of his situation, he was trying to clear his good name. He just got to a place uh, emotionally and financially. I mean, you can imagine the emotional strain he was already under. Uh, and then financially, trying to fight this from the East Coast, it's easier because what he, the uh, the penalty for him when he pled no contest, and I and I have to stress no contest so heavily. It's you know like pay to play is such an easy hashtag. The hashtag should be no contest. You know you can't fight. City Hall. You know, City Hall decides that you're the bad guy. Well, then you're just done for unless you're a millionaire or a billionaire. Yeah. Um, and it's, and so anyway, so Brad's penalty was three years probation, during which time he can't run a workshop company. Well, he closed his business. There you go. Um, he got a $70 fine. Yeah, that's $70. <laughs> that's what the city fined him. Hmm. And then 150 hours of community service, which he's going to serve in New York. And I and I did the math. Let's say that's minimum wage. That's about twenty two hundred and fifty dollars, you know, for that one hundred and fifty hours of his time. That's a drop in the bucket compared to what he would have had to pay an attorney to to you know go through take this to the end and clear his name. And so, like I said, no contest. He he just pled no contest. And then uh, Mayor Eric Garcetti actually said, this is a direct quote, I think, everybody else better be looking over their shoulder because we'll come for you next. That is a direct quote. You are correct. So it, I'm trying to kind of, you know, do my my due diligence as an actor from an artistic perspective, I mean, and put myself in the other person's shoes and find out how and why they think they're being the good guy. Um, mm-hmm. So, so from their perspective, how how are they doing the community a service? Do you get? Do they're you think? not. No, there there is no service being done here. You know, the Kokorian Act was established because there were unscrupulous managers who told their clients that they had to have all of their pictures taken with this photographer, right. for which they could get a kickback. That you know. That was that was the purpose of the Kokorian Act, um, not to go after casting directors and the people that ran casting workshops who were just trying to help educate actors and inform them as to how you can help yourself get a job. How do you walk into the room? How do you prepare the scene? Whatever goes on in, in workshops. That was not the original intent of the Kokorian Act. And so I feel that it's an abuse of even the Kokorian Act, for which it was none of this was intended. Yeah, uh, we actually we went to a luncheon. Uh, Studio City Chamber of Commerce had a luncheon with Paul Kokorian, and uh, Jane was there, and a few others, and myself. And we got a chance to talk to Paul Kokorian directly. And you know, we were telling them a little bit, and of course, he's telling this, you know. Pr- uh, there to us that this you know was not the intent of his law but once the law is written it's no longer his intent it's what the prosecutors decide to do with it um, and because he's no he's longer in, on the city council and so that therefore he has no uh, yeah, he, he's no longer a california assembly member so but he is on this on the la city council so you think he could help with the city and the 
district attorney's office, or city attorney's office, I should say. Uh, but the law was intended to help children. We, we all need to remember it was written to help children and parents who would go to a mall, having never thought about Hollywood or acting at all, and uh, somebody would come up to them and say, hey, your child's got a great look. Why don't we take them for an audition and see what their talent is? And then they would have the child quote unquote audition and they go, oh, they're great, but you know what? They need classes. Oh, you know, they're great, but they're also going to need headshots. Oh, they're great. So we'll send them to this convention in Los Angeles and let them be discovered. And that's what the law was intended for. And there are so many people that were behind the law, you know, casting people included. Uh, and and the craziest upholding, yes, absolutely. Yeah. And the craziest part is Mark Lambert, deputy city attorney who's prosecuting these cases, he had a hand in helping write the law. So he should know the intent. It's it's just odd. How, I mean, obviously this is uh, definitely affecting, affecting you guys in, in a sort of intellectual way. How, how has this affected your business practices running a casting uh, company? You know, for, fortunately for me, I'm, I'm pretty much retired at this point and I no longer have an office. So it really has not affected me personally, but on an emotional level and an, on a moral stance level, it's really had a, a powerful effect. Yeah, for, I'm sorry, go ahead, Caroline. Yeah, for, for me, I, you know, I get this question all the time now from actors and I've always had a lot of general meetings. I, I go and talk to people a lot about, a lot about this and it, it hasn't, for me, it hasn't really affected or changed my contact with actors. Um, I work a lot with uh, uh, sag After Foundation, and uh, so I go in there and I do do uh, uh, seminars with them. And then also I go into schools uh, and work that way. That's how I, I scout a little bit. Yeah, I just did a sag after a, after a workshop the other night. And it was terrific, you know, and I've gotten letters, you know, emails from a, a vast uh, number of people who attended thanking me mm-hmm. because, you know, they don't do them frequently enough at SAG after to to take up the slack for, from the uh, workshops that have been closed down. Yeah. And for me, I would say technology has been the key way I find Mm-hmm. You know, new actors. We just had to uh, do a role. We got 4,700 submissions through Breakdown Services. And we looked at every one of those submissions and we scheduled probably 300 actors between um, pre reads and producers. I mean, it was a series regular role, so, you know, the numbers are high. But, you know, that's 4,700. This, this notion that I, uh, I or anybody else was using workshops to discover new talent is insane sure. because it, how many workshops would I have to attend to match 4,700 submissions with the click of a mouse? And, you know, even when it's it's a co-star role, we had a, a co-star role in Modern Family where we needed a college-age kid to be in the robot lab at Caltech, and I just went out to breakdown and they let me select Los Angeles, SAG-AFTRA, and then a few other you know, defining characteristics. And I get about 300 pictures come up to choose from. In a, you know, in a flash. <laughs> in a flash. So, and that's me being very targeted. You know, at these workshops, they're open to everybody. 
you know, because we're willing to teach anybody and everybody that wants to learn. Because, you know, we can either teach somebody the basics, and, and I've run into that, where I'm like, here's how you hold a script. <laughs> you know, we need to be able to see your face. You know, there, you know, occasionally somebody like that will end up in the workshop. And as I you know, mentioned to you guys, Actors Key, you know, they were a really good business. They would, these actors, if somehow they got in and, and the uh, Actors Key manager noticed this, she would tell them, you're not ready for this level of training. You need to go get an actual class and then come back, you know, for this higher level training. Um, yeah, you know, I wanted to mention um, something about Actors Key in particular because they, I always thought that they had really amazing business practice from my point of view when I would go in and, and work with the actors. Um, I always found not only that they were professional, uh, but as you had said, uh, um, Alan, that they really vetted the actors to actually uh, put them in a class or a workshop that matched their potential where they were at, at this point. And they're also very open and um, very collaborative uh, with the city and having them come in and really see what they were doing, making sure that their business was on point, that they were doing everything that they needed to do according to uh, what was being asked of them from the city. And for me, I, I think it's it's sad that they're they're no longer. Aside from which they were actually in the city of Burbank and not in the city of Los Angeles. And that has been, the case was attempted to get dismissed on that on that factor, but that has been thrown out. Hey folks, welcome back. Hopefully you're uh, enjoying the, the learning opportunity here, what's going on out there in in the world of this uh, this sort of legal battle. We get even deeper into it in, in, in the next episode, so, so I don't want to spend a lot of time debriefing here. Suffice it to say, I hope you understand why we are talking about this again and that it's not just a rehashing of the you know pro versus con series that we've done in the past, uh, but rather taking a look from a very specific angle. Um, and we will talk later on about how you can actually get involved and um, and support with this issue if you feel so inclined. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Yeah. And make sure, be sure, I don't think we mentioned it in this segment of the interview, but be sure to check out the show notes on our website for the link to, what was it called? The Casting Community Defense Fund? Mm, uh, which, yeah. Some, uh yeah something like that yeah we we dig into that uh more at the end of uh part two coming next week but uh you can jump right to that by uh finding the link on our website and i'll make sure that we share that on social media too i'll ask grace to uh to, to blast that out because um whether you choose to contribute or not whether you believe in this you know this side of the fight or not um i think it's important just to be informed and so uh yeah check out uh, our channels various channels for that all right, picks of the week. I think I'm going to love yours. <laughs> what is All Trails? Uh, All Trails is an app, uh, the website uh, that I 
um, discovered through trying to find places to go hiking, basically. Um, I think that, well, it's definitely free, but there's a premium version that I actually paid for just because uh, you can like, um, if you have the premium version, you can like download the trails um, onto your device so you don't need a connection to the internet, which is helpful if you're out hiking in the middle of nowhere. But um, as uh, you and our listeners know, I've been getting more and more and more into my fascination and love for uh, being outdoors. And what I love about this app and the reason I'm recommending it is it you can pull up a, a map uh, in the app or on the website um, and, and, and look around your area and find hikes anywhere. Like it will show you hikes and walks and trails pretty much anywhere, uh, especially in the United States. It also works internationally, although there aren't as many trails available internationally. I think they are working on that. So if you're an inter- one of our international listeners, I apologize for that. Uh, but but look anyway, because there may be some there. And if you're here in the States and you're like, well, I live in this major, massive, you know, metropolitan area. There's no way there's a hike near me. Uh, check it out. I can almost guarantee you there is something nearby that you can get to very quickly by car or or mass transit. Um, and if you know you are looking for ways to commune with nature, clear your mind, um, do a, a sort of uh, walking, eyes open meditation, anything like that, um, uh, going on a hike or a walk is, is supportive. And, and, and like I said, the reason I love this particular app is because you can find something, um, right in your backyard. Mm. It, it looks like you can find not just hikes, but also bike rides and trail runs. Uh, you can filter them by dog and, or kid friendliness, uh, trails with great views is a filter. This is uh, this is epic, man. This is really cool. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's really cool. And then and then, you know, once you've done all that filtering, it will also give you like, you know, how hard is this hike? Right. Is it mm, yeah. easy, moderate, you know, difficult? Um, and then it will tell you, you know, the mileage and, and how long it, it may take you. And then there are reviews and people will write reviews of like, you know, it was great or it was hard or it was this, it was that. Um, so a ton of information there as well. If you've, uh, you know, if you've got some trepidation about going out to a particular place or you've never been to a particular um, trail or hike. Oh, I love it. This is very, very cool, man. I'm going to download this as soon as we are done. Awesome. awesome. All right. You know, it's funny. We are so often on this, like we, we joked earlier about how we, we don't talk as much these days. Like we only exist for each other on Skype or on the podcast, <laughs> but we're so often on the same page because my pick of the week is also very nature themed. It's a podcast that I've listened to on and off for a long time. It's called living on earth. It's from uh, public radio international. So it's a publicly funded, you know, thing for now. Uh, and supported by, <laughs> supported by listeners and a few, a few, um, you know, environmental, you know, type businesses and sponsors. But uh, I really enjoy this podcast. It's the kind of podcast I got to admit that if I had been introduced to it when I was like a teenager or in my early 20s, I probably would have been like, oh, God, public radio crap. Like, this is so boring. And like, but I, you know, it is nature journalism at its finest it really Mm. is it's it's engaging it's well produced and it covers all sorts of issues from the political to the sustainable to the big thinking philosophical ideas that i like to get lost in and they interview authors they interview activists they interview scientists they interview politicians they interview 
you know, city planners and all, all sorts of people. And it's, I, I've learned so many about so many cool things on it. Like the other day I was listening and I, they interviewed this, this guy who wrote this book called half earth that I'm reading right now that will undoubtedly be my pick of the week soon. And he had some really interesting things to say about conservation and, you know, mass species extinction. And then the other week before that, it was like a, an episode where they featured this guy who, who's, uh, basically inventing this movement called seasteading where they're building cities that like float on the sea and they're able to use a lot of the, you know, the plastic and waste that we dump into the oceans. Like they're building it out of those. And there's a whole book and website and movement for that. And there's like, it's just like cool stuff like that. So it's, it's everything from like here, like a lot of times they'll end the episode with like the sound of some rare tree frog or something. And you just kind Mm. of listen to it for a good 30 seconds or so. And you're like, that's beautiful. And they have poetry about birds Again, stuff that, you know, a few years ago, I'd have been like, oh, God, like, seriously. (laughs) But now I really, really appreciate and I'm just learning all sorts of cool stuff about it. It is one of my favorite podcasts. And uh, I find that I can really crank through uh, a number of them um, if I listen on the 1.5 speed. Like, I don't know, some podcasts loan themselves very well to listening to faster and others. I think it's good to listen at normal speed. Uh, this is one of those ones where 1.5 speed, you still pick up everything and I'm just, I'm really enjoying it, uh, as I appreciate our natural world and all the life forms that inhabit it with us, uh, more and more I'm, I'm appreciating quality journalism and literature and things like, like living on earth, uh, more and more as well. So check it out. L O E.org is the website for it. Living on earth, L O E.org. You can also find that podcast pretty much anywhere you you find podcasts. I just subscribed to it in my podcast app. I'm on my phone. Thank you very much, awesome. Trevor. It's a good one. Um, yeah, I'm excited about it. So that's uh, so get your nature on this week <laughs> with um, <laughs> Living on Earth podcast and LOE.org, their website and All Trails, the All Trails app at alltrails.com. You can um, find all the stuff on the trails at their website too. You don't necessarily need the app, but the app is uh, handy. Oh, so excited! So excited! What a gift Good this, episode, my friend. Such a, such a gift this world is, this life. Uh, hashtag gratitude. Uh, <laughs> All right. I love it. Today's episode of Inside Acting was produced and hosted by me, Trevor Algott, and AJ Meyer. Jen Levin is our production coordinator. Gadali Gubrek is our marketing and web director. Deborah Smith is our community manager. She's crushing it, by the way. Follow her on Instagram. It's so inspiring. Uh, Grace Gordon is our director of public relations. I just had the opportunity to meet and have lunch with her. It was amazing. Great to meet you, Grace, and spend time with you. Uh, Fern Lim designed our logo, and Trevor Ogot, that's me, does, uh, I'm sorry, edited and mixed today's episode and composed the, the theme and interview music. That sentence has become such a trip up for us. It, it has, <laughs> and it feels, weird to, it feels weird to talk about myself in the third person like that. But, uh, you know, it's part of the credits. You, it is what it you is. You must have designed. That would be, I designed the music. That's what I was going to say. And I was like, that makes no sense. That makes no sense. Well, it kind of makes sense. Design, composed. We just have a specific word for it. You can sign up for our weekly email dispatch and listen to all of our episodes at our website, insideacting.net. And you can find us on social media and wherever you get your podcasts. If you've got a minute, though, please leave us a review on iTunes, the world's largest podcast aggregator, because that really helps us out a lot. Big thanks to our sponsors, Rehearsal Pro and VO2GoGo. 
And a big thanks to you guys, our listeners. Uh, visit our website where you can subscribe to our weekly newsletter. You can get links to everything we've talked about on this and every other episode. And if you'd like, on our website, you can also choose to support the continued production of this show with either a one-time financial contribution in any amount that you'd like or with an ongoing contribution as part of our membership. Both of those go a long way. The show is not free to produce. In fact, it costs quite a bit of money. And having uh, the the vote of dollars to really tangibly justify continuing to create this thing uh, really is, is what we need. So if you like what we do, show us with a dollar or two. That would really be appreciated. Visit InsideActing.net to learn more about the different ways that you can contribute uh, that financial support. And... Uh, you know, just show us some general love. Hmm. I, it's been a long time since we talked about the idea of voting with our wallets, huh? Hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> All right. Well, that is it for episode 287 of Inside Acting. Hope you enjoyed it. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next week. And in the meantime, embrace your superpower. Superpower.